Welcome to Since You Asked with Jim Barrier on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Send Jim your questions about the Bible and Christianity to jim at cgmradio.com. Subscribe to Since You Asked by visiting us online at cgmradio.com slash ask. And now, here's your host, Jim Barrier. Many people have asked me, what happens to us when we die? Movies and TV shows about ghosts, zombies, and life-after-death experiences are very popular. You don't have to believe the Bible to be fascinated with the subject. But what does the scripture say about what happens after we die? Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. First of all, understand that this is probably a parable. Second, Lazarus in this story is not the man that Jesus raised from the dead later on. However, two men die. The rich man goes to Hades where he is tormented, while Lazarus was carried away by angels to Abraham's bosom. This is a metaphor for paradise. Abraham informs the rich man that there is an uncrossable chasm between the two worlds. One goes to a place of torment, the other to a place of comfort. This is a clear picture of heaven and hell. The words Sheol, Hades, and Gehenna are all used to describe the destiny of those who die. Sheol is the Old Testament word for a place where souls go when the body dies. The first mention of this word is when Jacob says, I will go down to Sheol to my son. He was assuming Joseph was torn to pieces by a wild beast. Two conclusions may be drawn from this. First, Sheol does not mean grave because Joseph would have not had a grave if he were torn to pieces. Second, Jacob expected to be reunited with his son, therefore souls are conscious there. David made a similar comment when his baby boy died. I am going to him, but he will not return to me. Hades is the New Testament counterpart. In Acts 2.31, it says, Christ was not abandoned to Hades. In other words, he was not left there. Jesus told the thief on the cross he would be with him in paradise, not Hades. But doesn't Paul say that Jesus went to hell? Well, the quote people are referring to is in Ephesians 4, and it's actually Paul quoting Psalm 68. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. Now he ascended. What does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? Lower parts of the earth likely means the grave. In other words, he died. Matthew's Gospel says, When Jesus died, the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of their tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Jesus died, but he didn't remain in the grave, and he brought many with him. Believers were freed from the grave. They were no longer captive. Revelation 20 says, Death and Hades gave up the dead, and they were thrown into the lake of fire. This brings us to Gehenna, the place of eternal punishment for the wicked after the resurrection. 
Jesus uses this word for hell 11 times. It describes a place of eternal conscious torment. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man to die once, and after this, the judgment. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself, and he gave to him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice, and will come forth, those who did good to resurrection of life, and those who committed evil to resurrection of judgment. So is Jesus saying that we are saved by works? Not hardly. Remember, Jesus had just said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We are saved by faith, not works. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. But read on. Verse 9 and 10 say, Not as the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. So, we are saved by faith, not by works. But we are saved by faith for good works. Something is wrong with your faith if it does not produce goodness. There should be evidence that we are saved. Jesus said, A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus does not dispute that they had religious activity or used religious words. He does not say that prophecy, miracles, and the rest are wrong. The key here is the word lawlessness. When Jesus was asked what the greatest law is, he said love. Lawlessness is the lack of love. The reason Jesus rejects them is that their religion is devoid of love. I never knew you. It's about relationship, not religion. In a similar story, someone said to Jesus, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for I tell you, many will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, and you begin standing outside and knocking on the door, saying, Lord, open up to us, he will answer and say, I do not know where you are from. Then you will begin saying, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. And yet he will say, I do not know where you are from. Leave me, all you evildoers. And that place 
and all of the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves being thrown out. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived in Bethany. They were not members of the twelve apostles, but Jesus seemed to enjoy the company of this family. And then Lazarus got sick and died. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. So then Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise from the dead. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he who comes into the world, and he who comes into the world, and then Mary came to the place where Jesus was. She saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, See how he loved him? But some said, Could this man who opened the eyes of a blind man not also have kept this man from dying? So Jesus again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha said, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, but I knew that you always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Out came the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Jesus not only taught that there is a resurrection, he proclaimed to be the personification of the resurrection. Paul says, without the resurrection, our faith is worthless and we have no hope. I have preached more funerals than I wish, and I have often used the following texts in the eulogy. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is not speaking about a funeral, but a marriage. In those days, when a young man was engaged to be married, he would go to his father's property and begin building a home for he and his bride to dwell in. Jesus called himself the bridegroom, and Paul calls the church the bride. Paul also made these comments. For we know that the earthly dwelling that is our house is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found unclothed. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up with life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a down payment. And knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. The dwelling place Paul and Jesus are referring to is our body. When our current dwelling finally is no longer habitable, there is a new dwelling for us, which is often referred to as our glorified body. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, This is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, but it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. Philippians says, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our lowly condition into conformity with his glorious body by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. 1 John 3, 2 says this, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it has not yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. 1 Corinthians 13 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have been fully known. So we do not really know what our new body will be like. Other than that, it will be similar to the one Jesus had after the resurrection. He could appear in a room where doors were shut. Sometimes people recognized him, and sometimes they didn't. He could eat and speak and sit and walk. He had flesh and bones. They could touch him. By the way, the only man-made things in heaven are the scars on Jesus' body. The body you and I are confined to in this life is corrupted by sin. Our new body will be free from sin free from sickness, free from death. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? 
Someone recently asked me, if there is no sorrow in heaven, what happens to feelings we have when we realize that people we love will not be with us in heaven? Are our memories erased? Well, Revelation 21 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any sorrow or crying or pain. There will indeed be tears, but God will wipe them away, and they will be no more. We will grieve, but he will comfort us. After all, he will grieve more than we could possibly imagine. One might ask, what about our grief of our own sins and their consequences? Paul tells Timothy, Some people's sins are manifest, preceding them to judgment, but other people are followed by their sins. I have always believed this to mean that if we confess our sins, he forgives us and it is no longer part of the record. Those who don't confess their sins will be dealt with on judgment day. I confess my sins, and they go on ahead of me, preceding judgment. Those who don't confess their sins will be followed by their sins, and they will be judged for them. The prophet Micah says, He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities and will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Hebrews 8.12 says, I will be merciful to them in their wrongdoings, and I will remember their sins no more. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any sorrow or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. We will have a body like the one Jesus had after the resurrection. We will feel no pain physically or emotionally. Our future dwelling place is far superior to the current one. And one thing is certain. After death, we will be at home with the Lord in his presence forever. Amen. Since You Ask is a production of Jim Barrier and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash ask.